John chapter 14. I want, several weeks ago, we was talking about the ordinances of the church. We talked about uh, uh, water baptism. And then we talk, taught on uh, Holy Communion. Uh, and I just, uh, I think it's important that we refresh for those who've heard it before and to teach those who've come from other tribes on the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm amazed at the churches, uh, that people that grow up in Christian churches that have never heard teaching on the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, he's mentioned, he's talked, he's referenced, but people don't have a personal relationship with God through the person of the Holy Spirit, and they don't know who the Holy Spirit is or what he does or what his purpose is. They think of him as Casper the Friendly Ghost. And I want you to know he's a lot more than that, okay? So let's talk tonight and next week, next Wednesday night, on the what I call it the highlights of uh, who the Holy Spirit is for us today. The highlights of who the Holy Spirit is for us today. Look at John chapter 14, verse 16. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus is talking here. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. That word, everybody say helper. I don't want you to go to sleep on me tonight, all right? The word another there is the Greek word, literally means one just like me. If I, I, uh, uh, if I had my telephone out here, which is an iPhone, if I, if I needed to use my iPhone to call somebody and, uh, and the battery went dead and I couldn't use it and I, and I ha- said to Bubba, Bubba, get, give me another phone. And Bubba handed me his phone, which what kind is it? Android. It's an Android. I have an iPhone. Bubba's got an Android. Now, if I'd have said, Bubba, my phone's dead, give me another phone. Give me another phone. And he handed me his. It would be a phone, but it wouldn't be just like mine. His is an Android. Mine's an iPhone. All right? This word, another. Notice what Jesus said. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another. That word, another, in the original language means one exactly like me. One exactly like me. So Jesus says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send you someone just like me. He works like me. He has motives like me. He expresses himself like me. He teaches like me. He does what I do. He's just like me. He's an exact replica of me. Okay? And I will pray the Father and he will give you one just like me. And he's going to be a helper. That word helper there literally means paraclete. One called alongside to help. The word helper there means one called alongside to help. It doesn't mean I'm going to send you somebody to do it for you. He says I'm going to send you somebody to come alongside you and help you. And that's where a lot of times we Christians, we're wanting God to do something for us when he expects us to do it for ourselves. He will help us, but he's not going to do it all for us. He expects us, faith without works is dead. And I will, he will give you another helper, one just like me, called alongside to help, that he may abide, dwell, reside, live, that's what that word means, with you, how long? Forever, as long as you live. As long as you live on earth. 
And notice what he calls him, verse 17, the spirit of truth. You might have heard me say this before, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. He is truth. That's one of his names, truth. He cannot operate outside the arena of truth. If you and I operate in truth, if we operate in honesty, if we operate in the knowledge of God, the Holy Spirit will accompany us. I tell people all the time, I said, if you mess up, if you get yourself in trouble, be truthful. If you get yourself in trouble, don't try to lie your way out of it. If you try to lie your way out of it, the Holy Spirit steps aside because He's the Spirit of truth. He cannot associate with anything that's not truth. And if you and I get ourselves in a mess, anybody ever got themselves in a mess beside me? You and I get ourselves, step up and tell the truth about it. Take responsibility. If you get yourself in trouble, if you do something wrong, and if you're judged, step up there and don't try to lie about it or exaggerate the facts. Tell the truth. As long as you tell the truth, the spirit of truth will walk with you through that difficult moment. But as soon as you and I walk outside of the boundaries of truth, he stays away because he's the spirit of truth. He cannot operate other than in truth. I'll give you a perfect example. Had a young man had just gotten saved. Uh, this is probably 25 years ago. He had just gotten saved. He was quite a rounder. Uh, he'd gotten saved. And uh, uh, he uh, uh, still had some friends that were in the old life. And he was having a hard time breaking away from those friends. And one of his friends asked him to deliver a package for him, for the friend. Uh, to the neighboring county to meet a guy there and deliver a package. So he took the package, and when they got there, they discovered it was cocaine. The police caught him delivering the package, and it was cocaine. And they charged the young man with five counts of uh, distributing cocaine. Okay, now he'd just gotten saved. Eight years per count. Eight years per count, possibility, eight years of count, per count. And, uh, of course, his parents are all shook up. He's all shook up. He, uh, he said, Pastor, I didn't know, honestly, I knew my friends did that when I ran with them, but I never thought they would ask me. And I thought, he said it was just a, a birthday present, wanting me to come get it. He said, honestly, Pat, I'm telling you the truth, and I believe him to this day. He said, I thought it was a birthday present. I would have never thought they'd have put me in that kind of place. And uh, so we, he gets arrested. Uh, you know how that thing, I mean, you're looking at 40 years. And he was about 29, 28 or 29 at the time. He's looking at 40 years. And uh, the parents meet with me. He meets with me. He's crying. He's repenting. I said, first thing we need to do, we ask the Lord to forgive us. You know, I told you to break away from them people. And, uh, you know, I love to be able to tell people I told you so. I don't know. That's for I had teenagers. Since I've had teenagers, I've had a lot of experience to tell them I told you so. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But before I had teenagers, I just had little bitty ones. And I just, I was always, because my mom would always tell, I told you so. My dad say, I told you so. I told you so. And I never had the opportunity to tell anybody that. And that kid was the first one. And I just wore him out. Well, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. As they put him in jail, first thing I said to him when I went to the jail to visit him, looking at him between the bars, I said, well, I told you so. Now, that wasn't very edifying, lifting up, but... 
I just wanted to say that to somebody. I told you so. And, uh, and I just developed a relationship. When all this happened, the district uh, attorney uh, had gotten filled with the Spirit under my ministry, heard about my ministry, and came on. And so I just developed a relationship with him. So I called the district attorney. I said, uh, I need to come see you. And I said to the young man, I said, you're going with me. And you're going to tell the truth. And you're going to be honest. And you're going to repent. You're not going to blame anybody else. You're not going to blame your friends. You're going to tell the truth. You're going to be honest. Because if you tell the truth, the Holy Spirit will walk with you through that difficult season. Because he is the spirit of truth. He said, Pastor, I don't want to go. If I go tell him, I'm sunk. If I tell him, because he had already got an attorney, attorney said, keep your mouth shut. Same attorney called me. I called that attorney one time. I said, I got a real estate I need to talk to you about. He said, Pastor Eddie, I don't do real estate. If you kill anybody, keep your mouth shut and I'll get you off. But I don't do real estate. That's what he said to me. So he had secured, he called me and said, who do I need to get? I said, well, I, here's the guy I would get. Okay. So I, he had already hired an attorney. And I said, we're going to see the district attorney. He said, I, if I rep- tell him. I'm done. I said, we're going to walk in truth and see if God will not give mercy. So we made an appointment, me and the young man, and we went and sat down with the district attorney. I never will forget it. He sat behind his big desk. Me and him were sitting here. He said, Pastor, what can I do for you? He didn't know the young, who the young man was. He's got a bunch of cases. First time he had seen him. He, uh, the young man, I said, this is, and I called him by name. I said, he's just been arrested. Uh, five counts of distribution of cocaine and uh, eight years per count is what they're saying. And uh, the district attorney said, now, before you say anything, young man, you understand the implications of what you're getting ready to do, what we're talking about here. And the young man said, yes, sir. He said, but I want to be honest with you. I can't live with this. I got to be truthful. And the young man told him, said, I made a mistake, told him everything that happened. I don't blame them. I blame me. Pastor told me to stay away from these people. And uh, I never will forget. The district attorney just sat there and looked at him, asked him a couple questions. The young man was truthful. And the district attorney took his glasses off and set them down, called his assistant in, said, get me the case number of this young man. The assistant went out. A few minutes later came back in with this big pad of paper and District attorney's looking through it, and uh, he looked up and said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to take care of this if you promise me to stay away from those people for the rest of your life. And the young man broke down and said, yes, sir, I will. And he walked out and never went to court. Never went to court. Perfect example that if you... And me and the district attorney has never, have never talked about it since then. Perfect example, if you walk in truth, regardless of what you get yourself in, the spirit of truth will accompany you. He will help you. He, will, he might not always deliver you from the judgment of it, but he will make the problem that the judgment that you're going through bearable. He will help you to get through it. He will come through supernaturally. Jesus called him the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive 
the world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now notice Jesus is calling the Holy Spirit, the, the gender he's using here is masculine. He's not, he's not saying it's an it. He's using the masculine, masculine gender to refer to the Holy Spirit as a personality. Notice he says, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him. He didn't say it didn't see it. It sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and shall be <coughs> in you. So Jesus says the Holy Spirit is a person. And isn't it sad that we as Christians, because of our lack of teaching sometime from the churches we were a part of, we deal with him as an impersonal being. We deal with the Holy Spirit as an it, as a thing, as a theory, as something that's out there in the universe. Yet Jesus says, uses masculine gender, he says he is a person. He is a person. You, you don't like it, and I don't like it when people refer to me as something other than I am. Can you imagine what the Holy Spirit has had to deal with all these years that people refer to Him and don't give Him the credit that's, that is due Him or even treat Him like the God person? So the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about this person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, He was with you today. He was in the car with you today. He's with you tonight. He dwells inside of you. And He has a world of revelation and benefit and blessing that He wants to bring to you. And He's trying to get it to us if we'll learn to recognize and work with Him. Remember, He don't do everything for us. He's called alongside to help us. And if somebody's called alongside to help you, they will help you if you recognize their gifts and their talents and their abilities. I have a staff here at Family Worship Center. I don't, just don't have them to fill slots. They have gifts, talents, and abilities. And what I've noticed, especially with the younger staff, the more I recognize them, the more they want to go after it. The more I give credence to their talents and their abilities, man, they just shine and they strain and stretch and they'll go after it. Okay, you take people like Pastor Gary, uh, it don't make any difference what I say to him. He knows what he can do. He don't care what I say, so he just goes on and does it. But these young people, these young people, I brag on them, and man, they'll go after it. Just think how long the Holy Spirit has been hooked up with us, and we ain't even paid him any attention. We don't even give him any notice. And he's sitting there with us every day. He's living inside of us every day. He's walking with us every day. He's a present help in time of trouble. He has all the power that Jesus had when he walked planet earth. He knows everything that Jesus knows. He knows everything the Heavenly Father knows because they are one. And he's with us every day and we talk, go through life and we talk and act like we're helpless, hopeless, broke and can't make it in life. And the whole time he's right there saying, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help. And if we'll just give him attention and learn to work with him, all the talents and the benefits and the blessings that he has, he will come alongside us and help us. I like to say it this way, everything God does in your life and in my life and in this world, everything God does is accomplished through the direct action of the Holy Spirit. Everything that happens on planet earth that is of God, 
is a direct action of the Holy Spirit. Here's the first thing you and I, we're talking about the highlights, the highlights of the Holy Spirit for us today. Here's the first thing, here's the first highlight. The Holy Spirit is God, okay? The Holy Spirit is God. Um, uh, you know, um, how do you explain the Trinity? I don't know how to explain the Trinity. It's God in existing in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all one, but they're three different personalities, three different administrations, but they're all one. How do you separate water and wet? If you can separate water and wet, you can separate God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. All right? I don't know how it works. I'm not smart enough. We can get some smart people in here to teach us this. But I'm not smart enough to tell you exactly how the Trinity works. But I can tell you this. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're all the same. Distinct in three different persons. So here's the first thing you and I must understand. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. And as a member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit Himself is God. He shares all the qualities of God along with the Father and the Son. Okay? He's not a, he's not a substitute for the Son. He's not an inferior to the Son, Jesus. He is God. He shares all the qualities of Jesus, the Son. He shares all the qualities of God, the Father. He is God. A, the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible as God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Turn over to Acts chapter 5. How many brought you Bibles? Or iPads or phones or something? All right, we got 12 minutes, so let's hurry. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse number 3. Acts chapter 5, verse number 3. By the way, Amanda and I are leaving Sunday afternoon for Washington, D.C., we're meeting with officials of the Trump administration. They tell us President, Vice President Pence will be there. And we're meeting with a three-hour meeting in Washington at the White House uh, on Tuesday af- next Tuesday afternoon from 1 to 4. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm sure President Trump will want to see me. Acts chapter 5. I'm going to tr- try to tell him to get his heart right with God. All right. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and verse 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Now notice this. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was so, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to who? God. You know this story. For those of you who are not familiar with this story, the early church had just been born. Uh, all these people had gotten saved, and what they did, they they pulled their money together and decided to uh, uh, bring monies to the, the apostles and let them distribute amongst, among the needy in the community of Jerusalem. And people were bringing large amounts. People were bringing small amounts. Where there was a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. They saw all the people bringing this money. And they wanted some personal recognition for their wealth. So they sold a piece of land, the Bible says. And they gave the indication that they sold the land and gave all the money to the church so that people would applaud them and give them some type of attention for their great sacrifice. 
But the truth of the matter is, they did not give all the money. They just gave a portion of the money, but they gave the indication that they gave all the money. And we pick it up in chapter 5, verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the... He lied to who? The Holy Spirit. And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Verse 4, while it remained, what is it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? In other words, you didn't have to give it all. God didn't require you to give it all. It's the, it was the deception that you operated in that was the sin. If you wanted to give a dollar of it, you could have. If you wanted to give it all, you could have. It didn't make any difference to God. It was the deception you operated in. And after it was so, was it not your own control? Now notice the last two sentences. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to who? Now, who did he say at the very first, verse 3? But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then he says in verse number 5, or verse number 4, you lied to God. So here we see the Apostle Peter calls the Holy Spirit God. So understand that the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible as God. Here's another verse. There's dozens of them. We'll just do two. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 16. Notice what it says, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know, the Apostle Paul's teaching here, he's talking to the church at Corinth. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of what? God. You're the temple of God. And that the Spirit of who? God dwells in you. We know he's referring to the Holy Spirit. And notice he calls him the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible as God. The second highlight is this. The Holy Spirit possesses the qualities of God. This is why when, when, when we read what Jesus said, I'm going to bring you another comforter and he's going to abide with you forever. You, need, you and I need to remember every day when we leave our house, God's with us. God's with you. God is with you. And not only is He with you, He's living on the inside of you. See? Because the Holy Spirit possesses all the qualities of God. What are those qualities? Well, I don't have time to go into them all. Uh, but let's look, at, let's look at some of them. He is life. The Holy Spirit is life. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit is life. He is life, and He's in you. What else is He? He is truth. God is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. We've already read that one. What else is He? He is love. The Holy Spirit is love. Some people say, I'm just having a hard time loving this person. Yeah, you know, in yourself, it's hard to love some people. Some people just seem to be unlovable. unlovable. Do you know anybody that you and yourself have a hard time loving those people? Anybody beside me? Am I the only one in here? I'm only. There's some people I see on TV. I just sometimes I have to enter. I entertain. I have to cast down thoughts. I want something bad to happen to those people. I'll be honest with you. There's some people on TV that I see doing some things and hurting people and leading, and I think, man, I would. They'd we'd be a lot better off if somebody took them out. And you say, I can't believe you think that. Well, I have had those thoughts, and you have those thoughts too. And I have a hard time loving them. I have a hard time loving them. 
But I can't love them within my flesh. But the Holy Spirit, who is love, can love them through me. He is love. Look at Romans 15.30. Romans 15.30. Turn over to Romans 15.30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Notice the Holy Spirit is love. He is love. You're having a hard time with somebody at work? You're having a hard time with somebody in your family? Ask the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of you. Ask the Lord. Lord, help me to love them. Remember, He comes alongside to help us. And if He is love, He will help you to love them. He won't do it for you. You have to exercise some faith. Speak by faith some words of love. Show some actions of love. But if you'll take a step of faith, the Holy Spirit, who is love, will step in there with you and give you the strength and the ability to love them. All right? So there's nobody you're going to encounter this week at work or at home or in your neighborhood that you cannot love because the Holy Spirit is love and He dwells inside of you. Here's one that you don't hear much about. He's holy. He's holy. Remember his name, first name, holy. Last name, spirit. Holy spirit. He is holy. And the holy, the holy of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. That's why it's so important that we don't take the Holy Spirit that lives inside us into unholy, intentionally unholy places. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. There's some places that we used to go when we were sinners we don't need to hang out with no more. There's some things we used to do when we lived for the devil that we don't need to do anymore. There's some things we used to say and things we used to drink, things we used to take and places we used to go when we live for the devil, that we don't need to do that anymore. Why? Because we're going to go to hell if we do? No. But because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You know, I, I try to be as honest with you as I possibly can. Some, my wife says, you tell too much. You shouldn't tell on yourself so much. The last couple of days... In my own, my own personal, I, I've, had a, I've had a temptation. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It ain't none of your business. <laughs> but I've been tempted. And this afternoon when I was driving home, um, before I came back to church, I said, I've been struggling this, this temptation. These tempting thoughts come into my mind. I hadn't acted on it, but I've been struggling for the last two days with this thoughts and I thought man, why am I thinking that stuff what that's not me I hadn't, I hadn't had a temptation like that in years and then all of a sudden I was reminded listen I've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me I haven't asked him to help me I've been trying to fight this thing off in my flesh I, I don't want to do it I don't do that I don't want to think of that I don't want to think of and I just, I was at the red light of Desjarnet and Las Casas. 
And I just stopped right there at that red light. I said, Holy Spirit, I'm bigger in this. I'm better than this. But I'm being tempted in this area. You are the helper. Come and help me kick this thing out and put this underneath my feet. I don't, just, I don't even have to deal with it. See, the Bible tells us in the book of Peter that temptation is part of the suffering of being a Christian. It's called suffering in the book of Peter. I said, I don't want to have to deal with this. And you know, immediately, immediately, it was like that desire, that interest in that went away. It just went away. The Holy Spirit came to my rescue and did his thing, which is holy. He just did the holy thing. And it helped me. Everybody with me? So he is holy. Now, don't come up to me afterward and ask me what it is. Because I ain't tell you, I can't remember it. He holied it out, all right? He's all, he has all the qualities of God. What else? He's eternal. He's eternal. He just didn't show up on the day of Pentecost and die. Well, the Holy Spirit left when the apostles died. No, he didn't. He stopped healing when the apostles died. No, he didn't. He stopped miracles when the apostles... He didn't die. The apostles died. He is eternal. Look at Hebrews 9, 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He has all the quality of God. Jesus had no beginning, he has no ending. God the Father has no beginning, he has no ending. He's always been. He's been in eternity past, he's in eternity future. The same with the Holy Spirit. He has no beginning, he has no end. He's eternity past, he's eternity future. He has all the qualities of God. And the wonderful thing about that is this. In three months I will turn 61. I know that I've spent more day, I've gone, my past is more days than my future on earth. I recognize that. I realize that. But I know my children and my grandchildren is going to have the same exact helper that I've had for the last almost 61 years. People talk about being scared for their kids. They're scared for their kids. They're scared for our grandkids. Don't talk that way because what we're saying is the Holy Spirit, the God that was with us, must going to die when we die. He's not going to die because He is eternal. And God's truth lasts to a thousand generations. He's not only eternal, He's omnipresent. God's omnipresent. What does that mean, Pastor? Everywhere present in time and space. He's everywhere all the time present. Everywhere present. He's everywhere present. He's with me tonight. He's with my daughter in Franklin tonight. He's with my son in Allgood, Tennessee tonight. He's with my parents in Columbia, Tennessee tonight. He is everywhere present. Wherever your children and grandchildren and family and sons and daughters and friends are, He is there. He is everywhere present. He is everywhere present in time and space. He's not only everywhere, He's everywhere present. 
He's everywhere present. We think about, we tell somebody, hey, they say, you coming to see me? Come see me later tonight. And we say, I tell you what, I'll be there in 45 minutes. Our presence doesn't get there to 45 minutes from now when we walk in. He, everywhere he is, he's present. So we can call on the Lord where we are right now. It doesn't take him two hours to get to somewhere and work. He can start working right now because everywhere he is, he is present. Oh, hallelujah. That's why you can pray for your children who live in Washington, D.C., and God will move right now, not because he has to drive up there. You just got back. How long did it take you? Ten hours. It doesn't, he doesn't need ten hours. He's already present. He's already there. See? So, he is omnipresent. Not only that, he's omniscient. He has all knowledge of all things. 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 He knows everything. What did he say? I know what you have need of before you ask. God has knowledge of all things. He has knowledge of all things. Here's the scripture for that in 1 Corinthians 2.11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Nobody knows all the things of God. Nobody knows except... The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is omniscient. He knows everything about everything. Everything about everything. And finally, He is omnipotent. He has all the qualities of God. The the four major qualities of God are simply this. God is eternal. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. And God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. The Holy Spirit has all the qualities. He is all-powerful. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse number 14. Luke chapter 4, verse number 14 says this, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of Him went out through all the surrounding region. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, the power of God. Jesus got the power of God. Jesus was the power of God, just like the Holy Spirit. Well, that's it for tonight. I'm I'm going to talk next week about what happens when you get born again, how the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. And then I'm going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost and, and talk to you about that. And then I'm going to talk about the seven biblical purposes for praying in tongues. I know a lot of you have come from churches that didn't believe in the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. And I'm going to talk to you about why you should desire that and why it's available to you. It's the one thing that changed my life. Changed my life. Totally transformed my life. I pray in tongues every day. I pray in tongues every day. I pray in tongues every day. I am. Uh, I, 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 I'm not ashamed. I'm not a smart. I'm not a smart young man. I'm not a smart man. I'm not a smart man. I'm not intelligent. Some of you are so much further along te- intelligence-wise than me. I just, I'm just admired by I admire you. I just sit in awe. 
some of our people in our church, how smart they are. And yet I get up here and teach the Word, and I have people every week that email me, call me, tell me, Pastor, we've learned more under your ministry than anybody in all of our life. Well, it's not because I'm smart. I'll be the first to tell you I'm not smart. It's because the ho- I pray in tongues, and the Holy Spirit reveals things to me. He shows me the Word. He just shows me. It just becomes simple. I, mean, I, can, I can understand. How do you understand that? Well, the Holy Spirit, He'll just show it to you. You just get it. It's like a revelation. It's like a light goes off. Oh, well, how did you get that? Because you're smart? No. If you try to mentally ascend to the Bible, you'll get all mixed up. It's a revelation revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, He that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He builds himself up. I tell you, you can get smarter than you look by praying in tongues. Praying in tongues. Stand with me, would you?